Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday, and if it's a Friday... Here on Raider Nation Radio. You know where I am. I'm at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook, uh, which is part of uh, the, the, uh, the the Treasure Island Hotel. We're watching. Uh, we've got some French Open tennis. Uh, we've got uh, some horse racing. We've got some baseball coming up. Uh, we've got drinks. We've got food. Uh, you're starting to feel here in Las Vegas. Memorial Day weekend is here. Uh, the traffic uh, was a little dicey uh, getting over uh, to the side of town. Uh, you can tell by the parking lot, which is free, by the way, here uh, at the uh, Treasure Island. Uh, but it's filling up pretty quick. So uh, if you're uh, if you're nearby, come on by. There's great food. There's great drinks. Uh, it's always happening here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, and we're proud to be uh, part of uh, their family. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal will be joining us at 4:30. Shannon Kelly. Uh, from Nevada Sportsnet and KRNV will be joining us at 5.30. Uh, by the way, uh, I heard uh, the last part of, uh, of Q Meyer's show, uh, Unnecessary Roughness, and he's not lying when he's talking about that drive. In fact, I was just texting him about it. Uh, coming from Texas out here to Las Vegas, I did the reverse. I went from California to the other side of the country. Uh, on the 10 freeway, but to do that, you take the 10, yeah, you take the 10 uh, across the country, and it took me less time, literally, to get from Ventura, California, through Arizona, through New Mexico, to El Paso, Texas, than it took going from El Paso, Texas, to the other side of Texas as you're heading into Louisiana. That is how big Texas is. Again, let me repeat. It took me less time to get from California, through Arizona, through New Mexico, to El Paso, the, basically the, the westernmost part of Texas, than it took to get from that point of Texas to the east part of Texas, heading into Louisiana. Texas is a pretty big deal. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a treacherous drive. It's not too bad because you're on a, a nice freeway, uh, the 10 freeway. However, uh, it is a long way, uh, and Texas is a big old uh, state. Uh, but we love it. Uh, and I just want to remind everybody that this half of In the Huddle is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today or book an appointment online to find out just how you can live a life that you deserve. And that's as pain-free a life as possible. 702-257-7246. Uh, a day after getting a chance to see the Raiders, lots of thoughts uh, going through my head, lots of impressions, lots, lots of observations. And I kind of want to start with the offensive line. Uh, as I was watching the line and specifically looking at 
uh, Alex Leatherwood, who for the most part uh, played right tackle yesterday in the time that we saw uh, practice. Um, and then uh, Andre James at center, Dylan Parham, uh, John Simpson over at left guard, Colton Miller, uh, obviously is going to be the starting uh, left tackle. But And, and there, there, there's some youth there too. Uh, Thayer Munford from, from Ohio State uh, is a large, big human being. Um, but obviously he's a rookie, so uh, not sure how much you can count on him uh, in his rookie year. Uh, he might be a guy whose better days are ahead of him, and it might not happen immediately. I think Dylan Parham has a chance to compete for a starting role sooner rather than later. But if there's one area, one area that still leaves you wondering if the Raiders are thinking about contemplating uh, making a move to bolster, I would say the offensive line right now uh, is at the top of that list. I'm not saying they're going to, uh, and I think these next few weeks are extremely important in determining whether or not they're going to do that. And I say that because when we think of OTAs and this time of year, especially with a new coach um, and a new on both sides of the ball, a defensive coach, a new offensive coach, a new philosophy, a new scheme, a new playbook on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Obviously, you're talking a lot about getting in the classroom, install, learning the new playbook, uh, getting the verbiage down, getting the communication down. All of those things uh, that, that teams, even with a, a returning playbook, carryover playbook from the year before, are kind of restarting. Uh, in some ways, to kind of get be- everybody back acclimated. And, of course, from year to year, you're also bringing in new players, rookies, free agent additions. So everyone has to sort of get on the same page. And um, not that every team starts at the very beginning, uh, but there's a foundation uh, that gets laid this time of year. So there's a lot of studying. There's a lot of classroom work. There's a lot of taking what you learn on the classroom out onto the field. Uh, that's a huge component and a huge part of OTAs, but there's something else that's going on during OTAs, and that's talent evaluators evaluating. Personnel directors, Dave Ziegler and his staff uh, over on that side of the building, obviously Josh McDaniels uh, and his staff. Um, it's not just teaching. It's not just um, you know getting guys acclimated and no, knowing where to line up and what their responsibilities on any given play in any given situation, et cetera, et cetera. They're taking a good, hard look at this roster right now. It's the first time, let's be honest, let's think about this for a second, it's the first time uh, this coaching staff and, and this group of uh, personnel direct or leaders are getting a look at this team on the field, on the grass. The first time they're seeing uh, 11 on 11, 7 on 7, uh, all the uh, various ways uh, that they run drills. And so there's a lot of assessment going on. There's a lot of evaluation going on. And part of that leads to a conclusion ultimately. Right at the end of minicamp, if not sooner. Are you okay with this roster? Do you feel good about all the positional groups across the board? That isn't to say that every team is 100% certain and confident and locked down on every position group. There, you can always improve. There's no doubt about it. But obviously, there become uh, you know when you when you go through this period where you're really getting a look at things as you start setting up your roster for training camp and beyond, you're you're trying to make decisions on, hey, are we good with this position group or that position group? Do we have to go outside the building in one form or or another? Maybe it's a trade. Maybe there's a free agent uh, player out there that's still available uh, that they might be interested in bringing in to bolster one, one one part of the roster. 
that is going on as well, just as much as the conditioning and the learning and the teaching and the install and all of those things. And I think it's extremely important, uh, an extremely important time of year right now for the Raiders to really get a lock on that. And again, I just have a feeling that that offensive line might be something, an area that the Raiders are continuing to monitor and continuing to decide and assess whether or not uh, there's some bolstering that needs to happen. Not saying uh, that it will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if between now and training camp, some tinkering uh, was done. We want your calls and your thoughts. Please call us at 702-365-9200. But to that end, uh, as we said earlier, one of the, um, the main components on this offensive line, obviously, is Colton Miller. And for the first time in his career... Uh, since joining the Raiders, and he was drafted by John Gruden, if I'm not mistaken, he was John Gruden's first draft pick, um, he's learning a new system. And here is Colton Miller, the now veteran left tackle, talking about the process uh, on his progress and this new offense. Man, five years gone, four years gone by like that. <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, it, it goes by quick. Um, <clears throat> but I'm still trying to compete and learn and pick up, you know, something each day. There's always something to work on. Um, and I think that's spread out across the room. We're still young, um, and we're just trying to prove in as many areas as we can. Um, we're kind of like, you know, it's all new, you know, new coach, new system. So we're trying to get the basics and execute as well as we can. Colton Miller uh, said a key word, young. <laughs> that's, it's a really young, when you think about it, offensive line. Now more than ever without Richie Incognito uh, in, in the building. Colton Miller is in his, what, fifth year, 2019, 2021, right? So uh, he's, and he's the elder statesman. John Simpson right now is uh, penciled in as a starting left guard. Uh, his main competition, and he's going into his third year, his main competition is probably Dylan Parham, who's going into his first year. Andre now the starting center, while this is his fourth year overall, this is only the second year that he's the starting center of an NFL football team. He's still uh, a babe in the woods in a lot of ways. We don't know right now who the right guard is. Could be Denzel Good. He was out there uh, at practice yesterday. Wasn't involved in the main uh, part of practice. Uh, he was doing some conditioning work, then was working off to the side uh, with the trainer. Uh, I'm no doctor, so I can't sit here and tell you exactly when he's going to be cleared to play, but I'm sure the Raiders are hoping uh, based on the injury that he had last year when it happened, which was the first uh, half of, uh, of the season opener, that come training camp or very soon after, uh, he's going to be ready to go. But we don't know. Uh, I, I'm not ready to make that call. I can't make that call. So right guard right now is put a question mark next to right guard. Maybe it will be Alex Leatherwood eventually. But for right now, it looked like Alex Leatherwood was getting the bulk of time at right tackle. Uh, and I think that if the Raiders had their druthers, that's where he would stay and he would seize that position, claim it, lock it down, uh, and provide a high level of play at that position. But when you think about it, left guard, right guard right now as we speak here in May, I know that there's a long time to go, although it's not as long as we probably think, to training camp at least. There, it's, there's still some uncertainty there. And I'm, I'm just wondering if it's, uncertainty that's causing a little bit of concern not so much anxiety but a little bit of concern uh, among the decision makers in terms of 
is it time to maybe, or should we go outside the building to bring in some help uh, to bolster that position? Uh, but to that end, uh, talking about a- uh, Andrew Whit, or excuse me, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Alex Leatherwood. You know, um, a big year, no doubt, uh, for Alex Leatherwood. Going into his second year, was drafted last year 17th overall. We can all sit here and debate and ask and wonder and scratch our heads uh, why it was that the Raiders, maybe the only team in the NFL that looked at Alex Leatherwood um, with that kind of an eye at that kind of at that point in the draft. We can, we, it, it's water under the bridge. It doesn't matter at this point. The only question that the Raiders have and should have to whoever who cares where he was drafted at this point can he play can he play at a high enough level uh to be a um you know you want it to be an asset but even if you know there's a difference between an asset and a liability you can't have a liability there you can have somebody that's serviceable you can have somebody that's let's just say serviceable with a ceiling of being an asset that's acceptable but Ideally, it's an asset. What you can't have is a liability. And um, it'll be interesting to see if Alex Leatherwood provides that sort of uh, confidence and comfort level for the Raiders uh, between now and the start of the season. Uh, He's got time to be able to prove that. Um, But we don't know. And, And until they get the pads on, until he's being asked to do some of the things where he struggled last year on the pass uh, 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 protection side of things, the footwork, some of the handwork, um, some of the techniques, some of the fundamentals. There's only so much you can gauge and assess when they're in shorts and not being able to play at full speed and hit and have a oncoming defensive end, you know, bull rushing a guy or putting uh, all kinds of moves in a physical way. There's only so much you can do. It's not until really, you know, the pads come on and games start, preseason and whatnot, where, where, that, where that answer is going to fully come to fruition. But there's still, I mean, guys like Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly and, and everyone else on the, on the, from the scouting staff uh, and, the, and the coaching staff, they know what they want. They know what they need to see right now. And is he checking off those boxes? Um, I don't know. I'd love to be a fly on the wall on some of those meetings and to find out if he's headed where they hope that he's, uh, you know, uh, headed and on the right path, is, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. But here's Colton Miller talking about Alex Leatherwood. And keep in mind that Colton Miller, you know, this was a transition that he had to make himself going from UCLA to the NFL, left tackle, not right tackle. But still, that transition from college to the NFL, that doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It didn't for Colton. Uh, but now that Alex is in the going into his second year, the, the expectations are even higher. Here's Colton talking about Alex. Um, man, it's, 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 a, it's a tough job to to try to learn tackle and then midseason going th- to the guard. So that kind of speaks on how dynamic he can be. Um, I know he's done a ton of work in the offseason, and I'm really excited for what, <clears throat> what's, uh, what's to come. Alex, he looks like he's, he's leaned out, and he looks good in the weight room. Um, good on the field. His feet, feet look real nice. <clears throat> I'm excited. I'm excited for him. That's Colton Miller talking about uh, Alex Leatherwood now going into his second year. Uh, I noticed what Colton noticed. Uh, the body looks different. The body looks better. Uh, that's typical, especially for uh, for really anybody in the NFL, um, whatever position you're talking about. But you can always see it with the with the, with the linemen. Um, sometimes the body change that that occurs, and uh, it stands to reason, especially especially if people are putting in the time. 
being diligent about it, being professional about it. Uh, think about it. You know, there's no more class. There's no more school. Um, you know, you're a professional now. It's a 24-hour-a-day job, essentially. And that means following instruction, uh, listening to the nutritionist, getting into the weight room, doing the, the proper conditioning work. Um, and if you follow everything that's being literally laid out in front of you and being diligent about it and being professional about it, guess what? You're going to see results. Uh, and there's no doubt, looking at Alex Leatherwood, that he looks different now than he did last year. Uh, I think that's, it, that's the way it should be, but it isn't always the way it is. Um, there are certain guys who from one year to the next come in and they look different for the worse. And then they have to spend the next X amount of time working their way back into shape. Um, and that's, you, you can't have that at this level. You just can't have that at, at this level. Uh, if this means anything at all to you, and if you're not a take the money and run kind of a guy, you're going to do what you need to do to put yourself in the best possible position to not just make this a one-and-done stay in the NFL, but to leave your mark and to be a mainstay and to prolong this career as long as you possibly can. And there's no doubt that God-given ability plays a role in that. You know, if it was just work hard, DeMon Cotton would be in the NBA right now or, or you know, playing center field for the Dodgers right now. If it was just trying hard. You could have named anybody else. I know. But I, 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 I named my, my good friend DeMond Cotton. DeMond, you know, like, like I, what I'm saying is if, if it was just working hard, I, maybe I could. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 I, I was just put it this way. I was just listening to um, – I, li I like to listen to old Hall of Fame speeches. They're inspiring to me. And the one that I happened to listen to just the other day was um, Earl Weaver. He was the baseball manager of the Baltimore Ravens – or Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Orioles back in the day. And here's the thing. He never made it to the major leagues. He languished in the minor leagues for 10 years. And when he got up there um, and acknowledged his position – I'm not one of the guys back here that played this game. I was fortunate enough to, to transition to be a manager. And he's like, and I, but, but, but I always told my players, all the great ones, that I, the great ones that I even felt like had a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, don't take this for granted. Because as hard as you do work, and I see how hard you're working, there was a level of you were blessed in some ways. Because I'm not saying that I work harder than you, but I worked just as hard as you to get where you are right now. And guess what? I didn't have the necessary ability to get that far. I just didn't. There are... You know, there's a difference between in talent levels, and part of that is whatever power that be is out there uh, blessed so, you know some people with with just an extra layer of ability. And so, um, you know, to get here to the NFL is one thing; to stay is a whole other thing. And and it, and it doesn't take long before that gets weeded out. And and it doesn't take long also when talent is equal, when 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 the God-given ability is equal. It doesn't take long to figure out who's not taking that for granted and who is taking that for granted and who's taking the blessing that they've been bestowed, which they were, and saying, but I'm not going to just be satisfied with that. Now I'm going to take that to a whole other level because I'm going to put in the time and the effort to make it so. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when you see that happen. And it's also kind of you know disappointing, frustrating, 
uh, when you see it go the opposite way, and that has happened too. But that's life, and we're all different, and we're all wired differently. And not everyone's wired to, you know, put maximum effort at all times, no matter what the God-given ability is, whether you're a writer, a broadcaster, a chef, an athlete, a businessman, I don't care what it is. Everyone has a skill that they've been uh, blessed with. Now it's up to you to maximize it, and that takes hard work and diligence and all that. Getting back to Alex Leatherwood, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like what I saw of the body. It tells me something. It tells me that he, he, didn't, he didn't waste his time this offseason. There was a purpose this offseason, uh, and he followed it, and that's a good sign moving forward now. You know, is he going to be able to pull it off at a level that the Raiders need him to? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, come come uh, the preseason and, and whatnot to see, you know, what kind of progress he's made, if he's made any in terms of the fundamentals, because really that's what it's going to come down to for him. It was, it was some fundamental issues that he had, whether it was in pass blocking. Um, we, we've heard Lincoln Kennedy talking about it, some of the technique some of the way he went about it uh, in terms of, uh, of his fundamentals. And, you know, on, on, on one level, you look at that and you say, okay, well, if it's just the fundamentals aspect of it, if it's not about how big you are, how strong you are, how smart you are, how athletic you are, because he checks off all of those boxes. But it's now, are you, are you going to refine your game? Are you going to look at the tape and see where you erred and improve that and listen to the coaches and study, uh, and study, you know, yourself and your opponent. Are you going to put all of that time into it, and is it going to transfer onto the field? That's another aspect of it too. It doesn't always. It doesn't always. You can again, you can be the hardest worker out there, and if you don't have it, you just don't have it. I think that Alex Leatherwood possesses all of the necessary um, traits to succeed at this level. I've been told by people in the NFL based on what they see. There's no question that he does. But will he? That's up to Alex Leatherwood, and I would imagine it's up to also this coaching staff to coax it out of him. That's part of their job. When you're talking about Carmen Brasillo, uh, you know, uh, and, and Mick Lombardi, the offensive, line, the offensive coordinator, and, and, and Brasillo is the offensive line coach, can they now take Alex Leatherwood from where he is at the moment and coax the best level of play out of him? Again, part of that is on Alex, part of that is on the coaching staff, part of that is, you know, if he is going to be the starter, if there are still some issues or there are still some weaknesses, there's no perfect player out there. The only perfect player that I think of is Lawrence Taylor. I think that he was the perfect player in a lot of ways out on the field. Um, But, you know, short of perfection, which is extremely hard to achieve, it's on the coaches then to say, okay, this is what he does well. This is where he struggles a little bit. So in those struggle areas, it's on us to kind of understand that, figure that out, acknowledge it, and give him the necessary help um, to, uh, to still succeed or to mask it or to strengthen it or to bolster it or not even, ex- not even put him in those types of positions where uh, that there's going to be some trouble spots there. So uh, fascinated to figure out, see where Alex Leatherwood goes uh, with this, but it is a new offensive line, and it's an extremely young offensive line, uh, and I just wonder if it's a positional group that the Raiders are looking at and thinking, are there ways to get better that don't include the members that are currently in that room? Is it outside the building that they have to turn uh, to go get 
make sure that this offensive line is where it needs to be on a team with a high level of aspirations. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Live from the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Come on by. We're here till 6 o'clock, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. What's good, what's good, what's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. Of course, we're live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I'm watching my Mets. They got bases loaded against the dreaded, hated Philadelphia Phillies. No outs. We got uh, the polar bear, Pete Alfonso. Pete Alonzo is uh, is up to bat. So we'll see where that is headed. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line, though. Oh, we're not going to the Raider Nation guest line just yet. But in a second or two, we're going to talk to our good friend, Sam Gordon. And my guy, Devon Cotton, is in my ear, whispering in my ear. It sounds so good, Devon. Um, that Sam is ready. So we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow all of his stuff. Just go to Vegas Nation or download the app, download the app Vegas Nation or go to VegasNation.com. Uh, we got you covered with all your Raider coverage, including uh, the great Sam Gordon. Sam, how are you doing, my friend, on this Memorial Day Friday? Vinny, happy Friday. Appreciate you having me on the show. I'm doing well. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Las Vegas. It's going to be an outstanding Memorial Day weekend. And, and summer uh, is upon us, as we experienced yesterday morning out, out, at, uh, out at the headquarters of Henderson. We are, it is summer in Las Vegas. It's 100 degrees uh, yesterday. We're going to get that for the next few months. And I, for one, am ready for it. And Sam, to paint a picture, was glistening yesterday, I have to say. Uh, Sam, <laughs> Sam always looks good. Um, and so he had the, 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 the sun oil going on and everything like that. He was chilling. He was chilling. And we were, we were you know, I, practice was in Henderson, but I kind of felt like we were in Summerlin yesterday, to be honest with you, uh, Sam. The, the vantage point felt like Summerlin while the Raiders were in, <laughs> were in Henderson. Am I right? Am I right or wrong? No, you're, you're definitely right. You're definitely right. We were stationed, you know, I, guess, I would say probably, what, 150 yards, many away from all the action on the field, leaving us to see only glimpses. <laughs> of what happened and what unfolded on the practice field uh, yesterday. But, hey, uh, we'll take it. That's better than nothing at this time of year. We, we, there's still enough to kind of get a general sense of what kind of program uh, jo- Josh McDaniels is putting in place, at least as much of a sense as we can get anyways, being that it was our first viewing period. So OTA is underway, and that means the season is right around the corner, and I, for one, cannot wait. Without a doubt. All right, I'll say Green Valley. Uh, it wasn't Summerlin. It was more like Green Valley. But it was great <laughs> to be out there. The heat included. Uh, I love this time of year and just being able to kind of pick and pry uh, and engage and all of those good things uh, that we do this time of year when we see the team that we cover for the first time live and in person. Um, anything that stood out to you, Sam Gordon? Yeah, it was actually an observation that you made to me, Vinny, and, and something you asked about at the, at the press conference afterwards when we were talking to Josh McDaniels. Uh, the accountability piece, right? Alex Leatherwood taking a lap after he committed a penalty, or we would assume he committed a penalty. The offense, the whole offense as a whole at one period took a lap around the field, and McDaniel says afterwards, told you afterwards, self-imposed. These guys are holding themselves to the standard to be disciplined. And to me, that, that's huge. It, it speaks volumes, right? We're gonna, it's probably going to take a few more practices for us to get a, a full understanding of what a Josh McDaniels program looks like. But that shows to me that, the message of accountability uh, amongst each other has already set in uh, just a few months into his arrival, after his arrival in Las Vegas. So that, to me, um, jumped out. Of course, we got to see uh, the great Devontae Adams out on the practice field for the first time. One of the few plays I did, I was able to see 
was him scoring a touchdown uh, down in the goal line with relative ease, uh, doing what he does. So, so he was very impressive. But that was the number one thing, Vinny. Like you said, the accountability piece that you touched on, it was a great observation by you. And I'm curious to see how that unfolds, not only the rest of OTAs, but what that structure, what that accountability looks like as we get into training camp and as we get into the regular season. Will that be sustainable over the course uh, of an entire season? It's nice to see that now. I think it's very encouraging. Let's see if that, if, if that continues to spread throughout the course of the regular season. But it, it's huge at this juncture, considering where the Raiders came from, how they finished last year. It's huge to see that kind of response amongst one another and to the new coaching staff. And I think Raiders fans have to be very encouraged by that. Yeah, and it was funny because and I know fans, uh, you know, they're, they're hanging on every word sometimes that, that we say and tweet and whatnot. And it got kind of misconstrued and taken in a weird direction. Everyone was like, well, who made the mistake? And why were they sloppy? And, and the whole thing is, well, that's to be expected this time of year. I mean, it, it really is, yeah. and especially yeah. undergoing a, a transformation in terms of the philosophy and the scheme and all that. But what the, the bigger takeaway was the players could have easily used that as an excuse. So could the coaches. And, in fact, the coaches seem to be okay with it. They're like, you know, hey, it happens. What are you going to do? Um, and this is the time of year where that does happen. But for the players to take it upon themselves and say, no, 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 uh, you only set a standard when you set that standard. And if you let that deviate or don't honor it, uh, that leads to problems. And if you set that and condition yourself right now, here and now, it's not going to be tolerated, and uh, we're going to penalize ourselves if it isn't. To me, Sam, that bodes well down the road. Yeah, I think so too, Vinny. It, it just feels like, I mean, it lines up with everything, with the way the rest of the offseason has lined up. I think when you see Mark Davis go after a Josh McDaniels, a guy that has been part of the preeminent franchise in the NFL for so long, played a crucial role uh, you know, with Tom Brady having success with the New England Patriots, and then you see the moves that this team makes in free agency, going and getting a Devontae Adams, a Chandler Jones, being aggressive uh, on that front, being willing to trade, uh, you know, just the way that they addressed and constructed the roster, the expectations have changed, right? Every team wants to win a Super Bowl and wants to compete for a Super Bowl. And, and for some, it's, it's more realistic than others. But the bottom line is, with, with what they're doing, based on what we saw yesterday, that the expectations are for this team. Whether it's going to happen or not, we'll see. But the expectations internally are a deep playoff run, competing in the AFC West and a deep playoff run, certainly advancing further than they did last year. And when you have those expectations, little things like that on the that may feel like they're part of the periphery, they become increasingly important. So we'll see, again, how this permeates uh, its way throughout the, uh, throughout the Henderson headquarters, throughout the course of the offseason and in the training camp and whatnot. But uh, it seems like the standards have been elevated. And that's, that's sort of, I mean, as they should be. This team was 10-7 and seven last year. That's a, that's a baseline. It's a, it's a foundation. It's a place to start. Uh, but everybody wants more. I mean, the players certainly want more. The coaches want more. The owner wants more. The front office wants more. And I think what we're going to see is going to reflect that. Whether it comes to fruition, I don't know. But the expectations would have seemed to have changed, uh, even amongst the players. And that, for, again, for Raiders fans, has to be a positive thing. Sam, I'm going to throw uh, three things at you here real quick. Six foot one, six foot one, six foot four. And I'm going to just say two, over 200 on all those guys or close to it. What position group am I talking about? Oof. Six one, six one, and six four. Mm. I would say, oh, geez, I mean, that's a tough question. All over 200 pounds. I'm going to say quarterbacks? I, Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Okay. I, was wa I was watching the Raiders wide receivers yesterday, and it jumped out to me, Sam Gordon, how 
physical <laughs> that group looked. Obviously, you got Hunter Renfro, the slot wide receiver. You're not expecting, you know, a big size guy. He's, he, you know, what kind of skill you're looking for at that slot wide receiver position. Um, but Devonte Adams, six foot one, put together. Mac Hollins, yep. six foot four, put together. Demarcus Robinson. This was the one that surprised me when I was looking up. I go, he's bigger than I thought he was. Six foot one, put together. Um, I don't know what it means, but I, but I feel like it was a, almost like a pattern, maybe that the that the Raiders sure. were trying to assemble a big physical group of wide receivers. Obviously, you still have to catch, you still have to run, you still have to do all of those things. But when when you look at those guys, you start thinking blocking, being physical, going up and getting the ball, being physical when the ball is in your hands. Uh, I don't know. It just do you think that was a ph- philosophical thing, a coincidence? Uh, it just seems like that's a big old wide receiver room. Yeah, I would say, I mean, maybe a little, you know, maybe, I mean, you want as versatile of players as you possibly can, right? And Devontae Adams, I think, epitomizes versatility when it comes to a wide receiver. I think there's very few receivers in the history of the game, Vinny, that are excellent at every part of, of the position. He's an excellent blocker. He's a great route runner. He can get deep. He can go over the middle. He can, he can beat you after the catch. There's no weaknesses in his game, and, and physicality is certainly a part of it. And when you have 6'4", when you surround him with 6'4", and then again, 6'1", that's not small um, by any means. And two guys with Mac Collins and, and De- Demarcus Robinson that can run, too. I mean, there's verticality there. De- Devontae Adams already presents an element of verticality. We know Darren Waller can get vertical. Hunter Renfro, I think, got, you know, he's, of course, we expect him to work short and intermediate, but he can get down the field a little bit, too, at times. I think you're going to see a more explosive wide receiver group. You're going to see a more physical wide receiver group. And, and again, the, the, what I've been hearkening on this entire of any guys that complement each other. There's a variety of skill sets among the skill position players, among the pass catchers. You have Devontae Adams, who does everything. You have Renfro, your slot technician. Darren Waller does a little bit of everything from the tight end spot. And then two guys on the outside that you may not get the big statistics, you may not get the big production, but you figure they're going to play their role in stretching the field and opening some things up in certain packages and formations. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was striking. It's, the wide receiver room certainly looks a lot different. Um, than it did last year at that time. But, again, that's this new front office, this new coaching staff putting in, putting its imprint on this roster and electing to go a little different philosophically than the last regime did. I, I think, uh, again, it bodes well for Raider fans. And anytime you have, I mean, Devontae Adams part of your receiving core, it has to bode well. But there's a lot of options now uh, on this receiving core, and I, I'm excited to see how Josh McDaniels builds out this passing game and what different looks we're going to see throughout the course of the summer, throughout the course of training camp, and then getting into the season now that you have – a variety of wide receivers that can do a number of different things. By the way, my bad, and I'm going to self-find myself, but Keenan Cole, hello, 6'1", 194, um, another fairly big-sized wide receiver, so kind of interesting. And not just you, see, you read it, but then you see it, and I was like, wow, that's that's a big physical-looking wide receiver room. So not sure what it all means, uh, but uh, there has to be some thought process uh, behind it. And he's another guy that can run. So uh, really, really interesting to see the transformation of that wide receiver room. We're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, my good friend, my colleague uh, over there at the RJ. Sam, uh, we got to talk about the offensive line. I mean, um, it's still the area where... You know, if you were to if you were to look at this roster, and if you were to look at maybe a question mark right now between the youth, the inexperience, some of the trouble and uh, uh, you know uh, struggles of last year, um, I know we didn't get a great look at the offensive line. It's not going to be until we they get into pads and whatnot that you're really going to see this thing in full force. But where are you with the offensive line with the Raiders right now? 
Yeah, I think what we saw yesterday is kind of what I think what we expected to see. I think at least right now you can pencil, right, not pen, Vinny, and certainly not Sharpie or permanent marker, but we can pencil in an offensive line um, with Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, Andre James, Denzel Good, and Alex Leatherwood. At least that's what you know it looks like right now. Still a long, long, long way to go, possibly some roster moves uh, before we get to the regular season. We're a ways away from that. But when you take a look at that group, um, look, I think, again, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. I thought Alex Leatherwood, all things considered, we heard Colt Miller talk about how he's transformed his body a little bit. I think a lot of that group hinges on what kind of development and what kind of strides he makes. And then how, how can the rookie, uh, the rookie left guard, Dylan Parham, how is he going to come in, whether that's him, and again, right now, or John Simpson, whoever, how, how is he going to come in and assert himself uh, and, and contribute? I think, again, still a little early. You know, it's hard to see much. Uh, but the fact that there's a, a group in mind and, maybe, you know, now's an opportunity to establish some continuity. I think when we see Denzel Good um, going at full speed out there, he's going to make a difference as well, being the veteran that he is, the multi-positional veteran that's been there and done that. I think that this group was a little too young last season. I'm, I'm big on experience, especially uh, on the trenches. I think that matters. I think that's, that's an, uh, a position where you see guys can age, traditionally age pretty well and be effective players into their 30s, into even their late 30s. And in the case of Andrew Whitworth, even though 40, uh, but I digress. For me, I think they're, they're, it's, it's all about building chemistry with that group, as much chemistry as you can, and having a solidified unit going into training camp, and, and then you let the competition go from there. And I think just based on what we saw yesterday, uh, there's a start. There's at least a plan in mind for how they're going to build this thing out. Still a little early to, to, to assess where they're at, but I think the early returns have to be promising if you're the Raiders, considering the group that you had and considering what the situation was last season. Sam, uh, we, we, we work in a business uh, and in an industry where there's changeover, um, you know, and, and uh, new faces, all that type of thing, new people that you're going to be dealing with, right? And I've always, I've, I've learned this a long time ago. Uh, I always reserve judgment on anybody until they get into my little circle, you know, when they step into my world and then I'm not going to preconceive, I'm not going to prethink, uh, nothing like that. It's, it's, okay, what's the interaction between, you know, now that I'm getting to know somebody, uh, in, in the, whether it's professionally or, or personally, whatever the case might be. I have a feeling you probably share that, uh, that, that sentiment. Josh McDaniels has come over from the New England Patriots to the Raiders. He's somebody that we're dealing with now. Um, he's the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we, we talk to him, all of those type of things. Um, what, you know, I, to me, uh, not that I'm pleasantly surprised, uh, but, uh, but, but, I, no, hearing him, listening to him talk, how he acknowledges what happened uh, in Denver and the growth that he's uh, taken since then and you know, making sure that that's not going to be why this doesn't succeed or he doesn't succeed, uh, I'm impressed by that. Your thoughts uh, so far on, on what you've seen and dealt with with Josh McDaniels? Yeah, I think he's just matured as a leader. And he, I think if, there, if there's a way to just kind of summarize it, he's not trying to be – I don't get the sense anymore that he's trying to be Bill Belichick, which he essentially, without, you know, in so many words, acknowledged he was doing, trying to do too many things like New England um, in Denver. New England, New England's singular in all of professional sports. Like, the dynasty they built, Bill Belichick, what he's been able to do, like, that's very, very, very singular. You, you, yes, you want to emulate certain traits, but you got to be yourself in that. And I think just so far in our early dealings with Josh McDaniels, I, I, I've certainly, from, from my standpoint, um, appreciated the accountability for what happened in Denver and just kind of the humility that comes with the growth that he's experienced as a coach uh, over the last decade. I, I certainly don't think he's taking this opportunity uh, for granted. I think he's appreciative of, of having the opportunity to lead a franchise um, like the Raiders where there are expectations, where there is talent, a team that made the playoffs last year and has a chance 
to build a little bit of momentum in a really competitive AFC West. And with that in mind, right, I've, I've been impressed too, just in the way he communicates, uh, just in how how his uh, you know his leadership and and, and, and the, the, the leadership of his coaches has reflected so far on the players. You know, going back to the accountability piece, right? Like that was new. That was a new thing. So I think, of course, you credit the players for for, for taking the onus upon themselves, but it's also a reflection so far of, of what he's been able to do and, and the staff that he's put in place. So he just seems a little more mature. I think, I mean, you took take a look at when his last head coaching gig was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. He was one of the youngest coaches in the NFL at that time. So the missteps, you, you know, they're, they're understandable. I think, you know, Sean McVay is an exception. He's an outlier. Like, a lot of you're not necessarily supposed to be great at coaching right away as a head coach. I mean, it's a little more common now, but certainly back then, he, he was young. It was his first opportunity now in a second opportunity, I think you're starting to see some wisdom. Um, you're starting to see just somebody who's more comfortable and confident in who they are as a head coach. Will that translate to a Super Bowl or DP playoff runs? That remains to be seen. But he's much more prepared this time around. That much is obvious so far, not only in the way that he carries himself in press conferences, but with how um, this roster's been built out, with how they've practiced that, that, that we've seen. And, and I expect more of the same as we get into the meat and uh, potatoes when the fall comes around. I know DeMond Cotton has a question uh, for you, but first I've got a question for both you, Sam Gordon, and DeMond Cotton. All right, so uh, my son Noah, a huge boxing fan. He's trying to talk me into uh, throwing down whatever it's going to cost to go get Davis versus Romero tomorrow, uh, Showtime Boxing. And i got to ask my two boxing experts, DeMond first, and then Sam, is this a fight that I need to go get tomorrow? Um, absolutely. Just for the comedy aspect of it, Uh-oh. you got to see, you know, the build up. That's what you should be paying for is the <laughs> press tour that these guys have had. So it's a big payoff. If your if your son's been this closely, it, it, the payoff's going to be worth it for him. Sam, uh, I, I I second the mom, Vinny. I second the mom. Uh, Rolando Romero from Vegas, right, North right. Las Vegas native, born and raised here, uh, has done quite frankly an excellent job carrying the promotion. Tank is tank. He's one of the most exciting fighters in boxing, and that in and of itself is going to be a reason uh, that 20,000 people are going to pack Barclays Center tomorrow night in Brooklyn to come out and see him. But there seems to be genuine bad blood here. There's two power punchers, and there's going to be – I would be stunned if there's not an explosive knockout. So with that said, yeah, you guys got to tune in tomorrow night for sure. All right, sold. Uh, Damon, uh, I, I know you have a question for Sam. Go for it, brother. Hold on, Sam. Before I get to my next question, who you got in that one? Uh-oh. Uh, I like Tank, Damon. I like Tank. Now, I want to be very clear. Uh, Romero, Roley, he has a puncher's chance. He's got major, major, major pop in an awkward, untraditional style. He has a judo background, was late to boxing. So he doesn't box like a traditional boxer does. Has a ton of power. But when you talk about Tank Davis, Damon, you're talking about one of the most complete players at 135 pounds. We know about the explosive power. But I was really impressed by the skill, the defense. Um, the accuracy, kind of the poise he showed against Isaac Cruz in his last fight in December, uh, the fight in which he completed the last six rounds with a broken hand. So I think um, it's going to be explosive. We're going to see a knockout in, su- in some way, shape, or form. But when it comes to the skill set necessary to set up a knockout, I think Gervonta Davis is far more advanced in that regard, and I give him the edge. But want to be very clear, Romero definitely has the puncher's chance. This is boxing. All it takes is one shot, and he definitely has the pop. Uh, to not only get Tank Davis out of there, but to get anybody out of there at 135 pounds. Keeping it with boxing real quick. Canelo, it's been announced that in September he's go- we're going to get the trilogy with Triple G. Yeah. Are you surprised that he's taking the Triple G fight at super middleweight as, as opposed to getting that light heavyweight rematch with Bavol? No, I think it's the right move, uh, Damon. I, I think it's absolutely the right move, and I wrote this in the review journal after about Dimitri Bavol. 
Go back down 168 pounds. The Triple G fight is still massive. He has a massive, massive following. And I know it's been four years since the last matchup, but these were two excellent fights that were highly, highly, highly controversial. Both of them uh, could have gone another way. The first one, of course, the draw, and the second one, Canelo by majority decision. But that was close, too. That was, you know, you got some people, a lot of people, a lot of boxing enthusiasts who saw that the other way. So this fight, to me, still has a ton of merit. Uh, it's an opportunity for Canelo to go back and rebuild his confidence against one of the biggest names in boxing. And I know Triple G is 40, DeMond, but I thought he looked pretty good last month against Ryota Murata in Japan, uh, stopping him late. Uh, took him a few rounds to get going, but he has the tools still. You need a couple tools. Bivol had these tools that, that you need to, to beat Canelo. It's an excellent jab and it's respectable power. And those are two things Triple G has, which is why those first two fights were so close. So I think it's a good move at this point. Go back down, build some confidence, and then take the Bivol fight again. Um, next spring, I'm curious. I, 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 I would imagine that fight's going to be at 175 pounds. But Bivol's a guy that's made 168 in the past. What if he comes down and challenges Canelo for his belt at 168? How would that look? Would that look differently? Would that give Canelo a better chance? I'm not sure. So there's that, that, that intrigue remains with the rematch. But I think right now, Triple G is the right move. Let's see what Canelo has bouncing back from his first loss in nearly a decade. I can listen to you guys talk about boxing all day. But, unfortunately, we've got to go pay some bills. Sam Gordon, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, in the huddle, talking football and uh, the, uh, the, the great sport of boxing. Truly appreciate it. Have a great and safe Memorial Day weekend, and we will talk to you down the road, my brother. Anytime, Vinny. Appreciate you having me on. Enjoy the fight this weekend. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend as well. We'll be in touch. Likewise, likewise. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Our thanks again to the great Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, and you know, you know what time it is, you guys. It's time for you to go buy or sell the home of your dreams. And the Realty One Group here in Las Vegas wants to be the one that is part of your story, a big part of your story. Yes, the housing market is going nuts right now. We see it every day. The prices are going through the roof, but it's still a great time to either sell or buy the home of your dreams. To do so, you'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done, and they've got you covered. They know the market, they know the neighborhoods, they know everything that you have to know in order to make your dream come true. The Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas, and it's been their home for more than 11 years. They've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. They are also proud proud to give back to the community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. So whether you're selling or buying your home, call them today at 888-461-0101. I want to reiterate something that Sam said uh, a little while ago about the uh, the accountability factor. Um, it's it's uh, The more I thought about it yesterday, uh, the more important it was. And it's, it's not the biggest thing in the world uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it, but I, it shows growth of this team and the maturity of this team, and it really uh, starts with Derek Carr, but is not a, but is not limited to Derek Carr. When you talk about guys like Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Colton Miller um, and and the leaders that are on that offense that are now here and have been here for a little while, whether it's Hunter or Darren uh, or or Derek and the newcomer Devontae Adams, you don't think De- Devontae Adams has a level and a standard. <laughs> 
whether it's for himself or his team. This is a guy that uh, has played at the highest level of football with the Green Bay Packers. They've been on the brink of going to the Super Bowl pretty much every year that he was there. That's how good the Packers – that's the expectations of the Packers and of uh, Aaron Rodgers and those guys. He knows what it takes. And for this team to have that, um, you know, a standard that they've set for themselves and not deviate from it, even in an OTA practice in May, it's a really good sign. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. Hey, guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.